Hey everybody, Josh Stone here from Stone Home Inspections. I am happy to be here um, sharing some information with you. Let me just pull up my screen. Okay, so tonight we're gonna to be talking about some tricks of the trade. Um, again, I'm Joshua Stone and this is Tricks of the Trade. I am a certified master inspector. I'm here in New York and Connecticut. Um, and you can see my logo there, um, Stone Home Inspections. That was created by InterNACHI. Uh, what I love about InterNACHI is pretty much everything. Um, ever since I became a home inspector, I've been following their lead. Um, even today, listening to a webinar by uh, the man himself, Ben Gromico. So I uh, highly recommend if you're not an InterNACHI member that you join InterNACHI. They have everything for you from designing a logo to business cards. Um, pretty much you name it, they have it. So um, I'm a master inspector with them. And this is my presentation. So this is my wife, Lisa. Um, we run the company. We've been in business for almost eight years now. And we've helped thousands of home buyers with their inspection needs. We have multiple inspectors and have received over 600 five-star Google reviews. Um, some specializations. Again, I'm a master inspector. Uh, commercial inspector and a licensed mold assessor. Uh, I'm also an instructor with the New York Home Inspection School. In addition to home inspections, we offer environmental testing and sewer scope inspections. We're gonna be talking about some of those things tonight. Um, since 2000, I was uh, a police officer. So I joined the NYPD in the year 2000. Um, and since 2001, I've been buying and selling real estate. So I retired from the NYPD right before COVID and um, I've been doing home inspections for, for years, even before I retired. So, um, but getting back to the real estate that I've owned, I've owned a co-op apartment, a townhouse, condo, um, two single family homes and one multifamily home, which is an investment property. So I pretty much know my way around um, any property that you can, think about. Um, and I know the ins and outs of pretty much all of them. So our first single family home that we had had a lot of defects and things that I feel um, could have been easily identified by our home inspector. Um, that was a real education for sure. Um, this house is where it all started for us. Um, our neighbor was a, an instructor at the home inspection school and he thought I should give it a try. So uh, I was planning for retirement had my eyes set on retirement and I said, you know what, let me take this course and pretty much uh, jumped right into it, started getting inspections. Um, I don't have to tell the veterans who might be watching this, I don't have to tell you, but uh, COVID was just nuts for the real estate business and uh, really just elevated our business to the next level. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you have to have the right home inspector because, you know, you got to have those defects found. So, I mean, we've had everything in the, in the single family that we purchased. We, we had everything from a roof to uh, the waste pipes, which we're going to talk about, um, the, you know, the siding, everything we did to the house. So kitchen renovation, you name it, we did it. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of renovations to all the properties we've ever owned. So um, let's keep it going. So today's topics and some of the tricks of the trade we're going to talk about today. Um, number one is moisture intrusion. Um, and you can see that, that wall right there, that's actually my, my basement. So we, we had a, uh, 
some, some of our uh, grading done this year. We had a pool installed, so we regraded some of our backyard. We had a little bit of water intrusion that came into the foundation wall um, where the, the, the concrete was poured. They poured another truckload and you had a little weak spot in the foundation. So, uh, so I know firsthand about moisture intrusion. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about mold. As I said before, I'm a licensed mold assessor, and we're going to talk about mold conditions caused by moisture intrusion and improper ventilation in areas such as attics. Okay. And lastly, we're going to talk about plumbing. Uh, we're going to do the standards of practice really fast, and we're going to talk about some plumbing basics and sewer scope inspections. All right. So. Um, the mold, the picture you see of the mold, um, that's a common occurrence that we see a lot in attics and basements. And uh, so we're going to jump into that a little further. And uh, the plumbing that you can see there is a lead pipe. And uh, that's something you have to look, look out for. So we're going to talk about that as well. Let's keep it going. So let's talk about moisture intrusion first and foremost. Um, so as, as a home inspector, I mean, that's our job is to find issues, to find moisture intrusion. Um, the first photo you see here, I was actually called for a mold assessment. So this young lady had uh, some moisture intrusion occurring in her co-op apartment. Um, her unit was down below. You can see the sliding doors and you see the masonry steps. So in areas like that, we have masonry and then you might have some living space below it. Those are areas to definitely look out for. And um, and see if you have any moisture intrusion occurring in those spaces. So, okay. So those are things you want to look out for. Um, anywhere you have masonry, you might have areas of moisture intrusion. So in this case, she hired me because she really needed the association to address her concerns, which, you know, look, she had mold growing on the wall. She had her floor was damaged. Um, and I was able to pinpoint using some of the tools that we have um, exactly where the moisture was coming in from um, to give her the information she needed to give to the association so they can repair it. So in the photo uh, number two, we have some moisture that's been coming through this con concrete block wall. Uh, we had you know, some downspouts and gutters that were not discharging far enough away from the house. Um, this is a common occurrence. So for all my veterans out there, I know you see this all the time. Um, you'll see some efflorescence, staining, spalling. Um, these are things that we've, you know, we're, we're used to seeing, but it's pretty easy to direct the clients, you know, to, to pretty much fix issues like this, especially when you see it being so evident that maybe a downspout is discharging next to the foundation, which is exactly what was occurring in this photo. So the last one was kind of, uh, you know, funny, but not funny. Um, that's actually a mushroom growing out of the floor. So they had a plumbing leak behind the wall, behind the wall that you're kind of seeing there in the trim is a kitchen. And somebody must have pierced the pipe when they hung the cabinet, um, like a waistline. It doesn't take much to, to have water intrusion occur. Um, this isn't so much water, water intrusion occurring that's going to cause an issue from the outside, but this is something obviously that's happening from the inside, right? So they pierced the pipe and it's causing an issue. I've seen this in another, um, another place recently where um, a kitchen renovation was done and they did pierce the, uh, the vent stack, which is a wet stack for the, for the plumbing. And um, I guess water was kind of coming out of the screw, traveling down through the wall cavity. You wouldn't be able to see it, traveled down into a crawl space area, right onto a main beam 
and it was starting to really rot out the beam. So these small little things can turn into really big problems if you leave them, you know, uh, the way that they are. So, so in this case with the mushroom, I pulled back the carpet, which again, that's not something that as a, as a home inspector would typically doing, uh, but I was able to easily pull back the carpet and, and map out exactly what was going on. Um, I used a moisture meter. I used a thermal camera to easily identify where the moisture was and pinpoint it. So another a trick of the trade for me when I'm doing you know things like this is using some painter's tape to kind of map out um, on the walls and ceilings and you know and floors. You can map out where you found the moisture. This way, when they call a licensed contractor to come in and make repairs, they know exactly where they're going, what they're looking for. Um, there's no guessing game, and I think it's a it's a really good trick. So I use a uh, painter's tape all the time. I use it to, to mark some outlets or whatever defects I might find. Good thing to keep in your bag is some painter's tape. And I'd say go on Amazon, order some different colors. They have red, blue, green, all different colors. So if it makes it easier for you to identify what the problem is, you can mark it with different color tape. Um, that's definitely a good trick to, to utilize. So in the photo coming forward here, you see some pooling around the side yard of this house. Um, this is something that, you know, typically you're not going to see if it's nice and sunny or like a dry summer. So we had a pretty dry summer here in New York. Um, and, you know, until the end of the summer, you know, fall, we had some heavy rain and you might be able to pick up on some moisture um, such as this. So if you go to a property and you see something going on like this, um, we see water pooling around the property, or around the foundation, um, see where the water is going. All right, try and track it and see where it's going to, and also see if the grading is proper. If it's not proper, you're gonna have an issue like I had this summer, which is water coming through the foundation. So, um, you know, it doesn't really take too much to, to, to tell that you have the wrong grading, or um, again, you can kind of see in the background here with this photo that, um, that the downspouts are proper and they are discharging far enough away from the house, at least at the front. Um, but, uh, you know, in this case, you want to, you know, install some drainage, but I want to be clear. Okay. We're not contractors. We do not tell people how to repair these issues. We identify problems and we leave the repairs to the professionals. Okay. And a lot of times as home inspectors or mold assessors, we're going to have clients that ask us, Hey, can you give me an estimate on the cost? Um, be careful, be very careful giving people estimates unless that's your field. Like if you were a retired plumber or an electrician or a mason, like I guess you can you could probably give out some prices. But if you're not, if you're not a professional in those fields, I would definitely avoid giving out any prices and tell them, listen, you know, this is this could be an expensive repair. Get some get some quotes on this and and keep it there. But as home inspectors, we do not really give quotes on jobs. Um, in the case shown here, all right, I would make suggestions, all right? I would definitely say to them, hey, you need some exterior drainage. The interior foundation can be sealed with an epoxy injection, which is what I did with my foundation here. Um, and that, that actually fixed it all up. So those are things that you can tell people, all right? But I wouldn't necessarily give details in a report, okay? As a home inspector, leave it to the professionals. Don't go tell them how to repair it. Don't tell them to seal their foundation walls. That's not our job. All right. Just point out what we need to do and get it done. Okay. 
So I was actually called back to a property today. Um, and this, this person uh, was buying this property and it had a crawl space. So one of my inspectors did this inspection uh, a few months ago. They were about ready to close, but they had some, some questions. The bank had some questions. So they wanted us to go back and just tell them, hey, with the moisture coming in, you know, is this, is this affecting the structural integrity of the home? So I'm not a structural engineer, but I went around today and I did, you know, did my job, went, went around and I poked and prodded at all the sill plates at the top. I evaluated all the structure, you know, the, the foundation to make sure that nothing was cracked and shifted. And I was poking around at all the, the floor joists to make sure that nothing was compromised. So I wrote a report saying that, in my opinion, the, the property is structurally sound and they should be able to close on this property this week. Um, however, I have been in some properties um, in the past where you know, a realtor call me and say, hey, this home inspector found this issue in a crawl space or can you go you know, check this out for me. Um, I found it personally myself numerous times where you have a real true crawl space where it's, you know, you're duck crawl, you're duck walking around. Like today I was, I was not really, you know, I'm a short guy. I'm like five, five. So it was easy, but certain areas where you're like really crawling hands and knees, you know, if you have water on the floor, like you're seeing in this basement, that water will vaporize up and it will cause mold and mold leads to wood rot and deterioration. So in certain circumstances, I have had um, issues where it's a structural problem. I mean, the floor joists sometimes can be ready to collapse. Um, those are things you want to look out for. All right. And again, regarding moisture intrusion, um, you want to make sure you have proper grading, proper drainage around the house and things like that. Regarding moisture intrusion inside the house, um, you know, regarding like flashings, those are things you want to look out for. Okay. It's always easier when it's raining, of course, to find areas where moisture and water might be coming in, but you have to look for stains. Um, you have to look outside when you're doing your exterior foundation, uh, exterior inspection. You wanna look at all the flashings when you're on the roof, take a look, see if the, the plumbing vent boot, is it sealed? Does it have any cracks? Is it compromised? Those are things you're gonna to wanna to look for, okay? Because um, those, will, those issues will lead to water intrusion. Um, and during dry times, again, you might not notice it, but you will see stains. So typically where water enters the house, you'll always see um, some sort of issue regarding that. So um, one thing I do see a lot um, is sump pumps. So talking about sump pumps, you know, I feel like a lot of uh, contractors, I mean, I could be wrong, but it's just my feeling. I feel like a lot of contractors, when you tell them you're getting moisture intrusion inside the house, they're going to want to solve the issue from the inside out. But in my opinion, you want to solve the issue from the outside in. Okay. Again, looking at this photo on the, on the left of the sump pump, you want to check those downspout, downspouts. Look for splash pads. Okay. Make sure you have proper grading, no cracks in the foundation. Those are all things that you could potentially fix from the outside, right? Um, make sure your gutters are nice and clean, right? If you have any like basement staircases that might have a catch basin or, you know, like a, um, a grating at the bottom to catch any water, you wanna make sure that that's clear, check and see where that water's going. Is it going anywhere or is it just gonna fill up like a bucket? All right, because those are issues that can cause water intrusion to basements. But 
I find a lot of times people are very quick to solve the issue from the inside out, which can open up some other issues, right? When you're making a hole in your foundation, you can have radon gas coming into the house, right? Like this sump pump, for example, it was completely dry. I didn't see any signs of water in there. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, that could allow like radon gas to come in. So not to mention, I mean, you have an open pit as well. So someone could possibly like trip on that if they have a power outage. Um, but one thing I do see a lot is that the contractors, plumbers, they're discharging these sump pumps into the municipal or septic systems. They're not really designed for that. And a lot of times they're not uh, allowed to do that. Okay. So you want to have those sump pumps discharging outside of the house. They should not be going into your municipal wastelines or definitely not, definitely not a septic system. You overwhelm it. So definitely something to look for and call out if you see it. Um, in addition to that, I mean, if you have a sewer backup and you know, you don't have a proper check valve, then you could potentially have sewer sewage uh, coming right back at you and filling up your sump pump. So that's not, that's not something you want for sure. Um, in addition to that, when you see sump pumps, I always, always recommend, unless they have a standby generator, that they have a battery backup system. This way, in case there is any moisture, water intrusion during a heavy storm and a power outage, that um, it's going to continue to run. Okay. So um, definitely something to keep in mind. And, you know, I would, I would call that out and, you know, not that it's a defect, but just alert your clients of that and make sure that they're aware of, um, of that and, and have them have that installed by an electrician. So we were just going to touch on a few basics with regarding moisture intrusion. So if anyone has any questions regarding moisture intrusion, we're going to continue um, going over things when you have questions, but I just wanted to, I want to cover some basics regarding some of these things. So, um, so that's pretty much it for moisture intrusion. Okay. Um, we're going to move on and we're going to talk some mold. Okay. So, like I said, I'm a mold assessor and we're going to talk some mold. So in some states, they require a license, right? In New York state, they require you to be a New York state mold assessor. If you're going to call out mold, do mold assessing. Um, so after uh, Hurricane Sandy, they had come up with Article 32 of the New York labor law. They want to protect consumers against contractors that just came up with prices for mold remediations. All right. And it really wasn't protecting them. They can call out whatever number they wanted and it just wasn't working, I guess. I guess they felt a lot of people were being taken advantage of. So they want a third party to go in. So my apologies if you're in a state where you don't need this to happen. Um, I guess it's not for you, but no matter what, I know there still are states that you don't need a license, but you can still do testing, right? So you can still make money. And what I say about mold assessing is that it goes hand in hand with home inspections, okay? We see mold all the time, all right? Um, anything greater than 10 square feet, um, technically you should not be handling yourself as a homeowner. Um, and really anything regarding a real estate transaction, like if you go into an attic or a basement and you find mold, and you're in a real estate transaction, you have to have it handled by a professional, all right? We've had some times where, you know, um, a seller or a contractor who's flipping a house will say, oh, I'll handle that. Don't worry about the mold. I'm gonna take care of it myself. Well, guess what? According to New York state law, you're not allowed to, 
All right. So then they call us up when it's finished and they're like, hey, can you come and make sure and tell us that there's no more mold? I can't do that because I didn't assess it. Okay. Um, but many addicts and basements have mold. So why not monetize it? Right. Why not make money on what you're already seeing? You're already there. So in the, in the photo you see here, uh, this is mold on roof sheathing, which is common. We see it a lot due to poor or inadequate ventilation. So if we see mold, we try and test for it to confirm that it's mold, okay? Again, some realtors use that as more negotiating power when you can tell a seller, hey, we have confirmed mold here, all right? And again, if you're not licensed to do so, I don't recommend that you do testing but I do recommend that you get your mold assessor's license, okay? It opens up a lot of doors for you. And it could also like, if you're slow during home inspection season, you might be busy during, you know, with some mold jobs. So I think it's a definite thing you should put on your list if you wanna make some extra money. Um, sometimes we'll get hired to do the mold assessment after testing, right? If we did the testing, we're already halfway there with regarding the mold assessment, right? So sometimes it'd be like, hey, the inspector already tested for the mold. So if you want to call him and do the assessment, you can have him use those mold results and save some money. You know, this way you're not calling in another contractor who's going to say, hey, um, you know, we have to do testing again and they're going to charge you hundreds of dollars. So I think it's a good way for you to make extra money. It's not a very difficult reporting software. I, I use TapInspect, which is my, my um, inspection software that I've been using for home inspection. So I just created a template. It's not overly complicated. Um, in New York, it's a four-day course. And then there are CEs that you have to do. So keep that in mind. But, um, but overall, I mean, the reports are pretty short. Um, I think my, my reports are probably like four pages long. I, I think that's probably like the average. So overall, it's not a really extensive thing to do, but something you can make a lot of money doing. I believe Intonacci might have a course on mold. So I would take that to start, see if it's something you want to do and, you know, and, and move forward with it. Um, but, you know, I have heard of some lawsuits that do come up regarding mold, uh, mold jobs. So keep that in mind. You are opening yourself up to more liability, but you're also putting more money in your pocket. So you got to kind of weigh the options, right? Um, so these are some photos um, from some mold assessments that I've done. Um, the first one, is from my handy FLIR. Um, I'm not sure if you guys can see me or not. So yeah, I wanna show you what I use. Um, in those photos, what you were seeing was the FLIR C5. Great little camera to have just for home inspections. I use this camera for mold assessments. I use it to, to test um, for heated ceilings, heated floors. It's a, it's a great tool. People love to see it. They're like, you know, it, it adds the wow factor. Um, so regarding mold assessments, put it on your list. Um, I also use the Klein moisture meter, right? This is not very expensive, but it's a, it's a good backup for me. Um, I also use the Tramix uh, moisture encounter, which is a really, really high-end moisture meter. Um, I love this one. It's really accurate. And they have a great, um, a great app on your phone. So you can screenshot your phone with the actual moisture reading. It looks way better than this regular, regular uh, analog. So check out the Tramix, right? And then I use this, um, this ProTime humidity meter, which is it's a great tool anyway, even as a home inspector. I think it's, these are all great tools as home inspectors 
or mold assessors or both. So great to have, you know, any, any uh, moisture in a basement, really, you need a dehumidifier for the most part. It's, it's a good idea to have one um, in, in basements, but you want to keep the moisture level below like 50%. And if you see it's above 50%, let your clients know. And this is a great meter to have. So check that out. Um, and of course you need flashlights. So I love these flashlights. I found these on Amazon. Got this little headband. It's like a little LED flashlight, really cool. You just strap it on your head and walk around the crawl, space, crawl spaces and attics, like hands-free, it's perfect. Um, this one here is Dr. Prepare, great little light. And it's um, magnetic, which is awesome. So you could just, if you're looking at some electrical panels, boom, just stick it up on something metal and, and check it all out. And of course, I know Internachi loves this flashlight, but the Phoenix, if you guys are still using like regular batteries, switch over, get a Phoenix. I've had this one for years and it's still going. So those are some of the tools that I'm using um, for mold assessing and home inspection. And we're just gonna continue on. Hang on one second. So you can see in my photos here that I have my FLIR um, camera and it shows you temperature differentials. That's what thermal cameras do basically, is show you like the cold spots. So in that photo, you can see um, that there's some cold spots. There was a, a leak and um, the, the water was spreading on the carpeting. So I was highlighting that you can see basically where the moisture is. So it's a great tool to just show people what's going on. Um, and then the Tramix, you can see me using that as well. Um, the photo to the right with the blue walls, that was a mold assessment I was called to do. And, you know, whenever I see this, like in someone's bedroom, it always makes me like crazy because people are sleeping with this. Right. So I had a client call me and, um, you know, they said, Hey, we have a mold condition in, in one of our bedrooms. So this, this property was, I mean, sloped down towards the, the house big time, like to even put drainage, there would be really difficult you probably would have to excavate and then maybe put some retaining walls in order to properly grade it. Um, but they had moisture intrusion occurring at the back of their house to the point where they had mold growing all over the walls, the carpeting, the furniture. And they noticed it because their child was sleeping in the bed and they had mold. They noticed mold was on their sheets and on their pillowcase. So imagine that you're sleeping with that. And that's why it's so important. Our job is so important as home inspectors to find these things because people are sleeping in these areas. People are living in these areas and mold can be health hazards. You know, it can cause asthma. Some bad molds can cause cancers. So it's really important. You know, I know it's beyond the SOPs that we move furniture, um, but if you can peek behind furniture and get a really good look, especially when you have those areas and those houses where everything's kind of sloped towards the house or there's, you could tell there's gonna be an issue, take the extra steps try and find this stuff. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not only, you know, for people's, uh, financial reasons, but for the health reasons. Right. And of course, you know, once people pull out their furniture, right, they're going to be calling you months later when they close and say, Hey, you missed all this mold all over the wall. Right. So we can't see behind furniture. We can't see behind walls, but just do your best, especially when you see those areas where you think moisture intrusion may occur because when moisture intrusion occurs, this is the result, okay? And you definitely don't wanna live like this, okay? Um, so moisture mapping and mold sampling. Um, so in the photo that you're seeing here, 
that is that was actually a, someone's vacation home and they were not around for like a month their hot water heater went and basically created like a rainforest effect in this house the entire house was covered with mold i mean look at the drooping ceiling fan it's like the saddest one i've ever seen but um you have mold all over the ceilings cabinets the floors were buckled the crawl space was filled with mold it was it was a disaster so in that case again you don't really have to do moisture mapping um but you have to do you know you have to come up with a report all right and that's what mold assessors do so essentially what we do is we're called to a mold job and we have to evaluate and find out, hey, this is the cause. Um, this is what it's going to take to remediate it. And this is what we think the repair is going to be um, to get everything back in order. OK, and then we go back after the job is done. We go back for what's called clearance. OK, so what you see here in the other photo on the right is my mold testing kit. So it's an air pump that I use um, little air canisters. It traps the mold spores in there and we send it off to the lab. And we find out if we have elevated mold um, in the air or we have normal levels, whatever it is, we're, we're able to detect the kind of mold and the amount of mold. Okay. Um, there are certain areas that you don't want to use the air pump. Okay. You want to use the air pump in like conditioned spaces. You don't use it in attics. You don't use it in crawl spaces. Anywhere that it's ventilated, you don't use it. Right. If you have a ventilated crawl space, don't use it. If it's not vented, you can use it. Um, but for the most part, when we're dealing with attic mold, we're doing surface samples, which is basically like, you know, a sticky tape. Um, and you just take a sample, put it back in the sealed container and ship it off to the lab. And that confirms whether you have mold or not. All right. Um, I did briefly talk about moisture mapping, which is what you do. Like if you have like a leak or something, you want to kind of map out where the problem is. If you're having like a flashing issue, then again, you want to try and pinpoint where it's coming from so it makes it easy for the contractors to make their repair um of course you know before the remediation occurs you want to have everything fixed so it doesn't come back all right um let's move on okay so again we could address some of the mold things the mold issues or questions uh at the end in the meantime we'll just keep going we're going to talk about some basic plumbing okay and i'm talking about you know, just a basic plumbing inspection. If you tuned in and you thought it was going to get into things beyond the standards of practice, that's not what I'm doing here. All right. Um, my motto is keep it simple. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to talk about just some basics to look for. All right. Um, so the first thing is the waste trap, um, which you see there at the top, which is sometimes you'll see that sometimes you won't. Some municipalities don't require waste traps. Um, they're allowed to put clean outs outside. A lot of plumbers like cleanouts versus traps because traps cause a lot of debris and a lot of solids to get trapped. All right. Um, but what a sewer trap does is it keeps the gases out of the house. Okay. If it keeps a little pocket, a little bit of water, like the illustration at the top with the S trap and the P trap, you see a little bit of water sits in there and that keeps the sewer gases out from coming into the house. So that's something you definitely want to look at. Um, the, the picture below, we briefly spoke about um, lead water mains. Um, so the bottom line is you want to identify the, the mains, okay? You want to look at the water main and the waste main. Um, that's number one. You always want to document that and you want to be able to have that in photos. So I say always identify it, take lots of photos, 
um, when it comes to the water main. Like when you have these older valves, like you see here, you're not supposed to operate valves. But once in a while, if I see one and I'm a little like, does this thing even turn anymore? I'll give it like just a little bit just to see is it seized? Will it work if they need it to work? I will go that far. I'm not turning it off. And if I feel like it's going to break off in my hand, like I'll stop. But that's, you know, I mean, you can go beyond the SOPs if you want to. You may open yourself up to liabilities, but um, but that's something that your clients may look to you later and say, hey, did you know that the, the water main didn't even shut off? So again, document everything. If you see an old valve like this, then you could tell them, hey, you know what? You might want to upgrade this valve because it looks like it's past the, the lifespan. Um, regarding lead water mains, when you see this, this bubble here, this like solder joint bubble, that's an indicator that you have a lead water main in your house. And it's another way that you can easily put people at ease by testing the water. So you can not only, you know, make a few extra dollars at your inspection and, um, you know, and you can give them the peace of mind that they need to move forward. Right. But you can you can get a sample, bring it to the lab. They're not very expensive to test for lead and uh, and get them the answers that they're going to need. All right. Because the minute you mention something as severe as or health hazardous like lead, people get a little a little crazy. And I don't blame them. You know, it could, it's a health hazard. So also look out for galvanized pipes and poor plumbing installations. All right. Also check those sewer caps. Are they loose um, or are they pretty secure? All right. If you guys don't know what galvanized pipes are, um, I have an illustration right there where you can kind of see it um, and you'll see them kind of rusting <clears throat> like a rust color in certain areas. But galvanized pipe pipes can corrode from the inside out. So whether it's a, a water line or a waste line, it, it can become a slow line. OK, so keep that in mind and, and take lots of photos. Um, the top picture S trap versus P trap. Um, what you're seeing there is the S trap on the left. And that's something that you'll come across quite often. Um, I see this so many times in like houses that have been flipped for profit. Um, and that's something that a lot of people don't know is a problem, right? Um, the S trap, the water can siphon out. So all that water you see sitting in the trap can actually siphon out. And then you're left with no water in the trap, which can let the sewer gases travel through the drain into the house. So you may get some unpleasant odors. Um, some people, maybe they got sick from that. Um, but that's something you want to look for and document. Um, P-traps is what you're looking for. So you need ventilation in order for plumbing fixtures to work properly. Okay? So that's something you want to look for. Call it out when you see it and um, cover yourself. So um, regarding um, some of the plumbing basics, you know, this is a standards of practice. I took it right off Internachi's website. Okay. And you can see regarding home inspection in general, there's so much we're not responsible for, but there still is a lot that we are responsible for. So let's just keep it simple. Let's go through the standards of practice really fast because this is what our baseline is, right? So again, you want to look for the water main, shut off valve, fuel shut off. Um, you want to look for any water-based heating equipment. You know, um, you want to look for those TPR valves. You're looking at hot water heaters, interior water supply, fixtures, faucets by running the water, um, toilets. You want to make sure that they all flush properly and they're not making any funny gurgling noises or anything like that. Um, sinks, tubs, showers are functional for drainage. Um, you want to look at the drain, the waste, the vent system, 
drainage sump pumps with accessible floats. So if you do see one with a float, I test the float and make sure that the water is, is going out of the sump. Um, I'll definitely test it. So the inspector shall describe whether the water supply is public or private based on observed evidence, the location of the main water supply shutoff valve. So where is it? Some, some inspectors will tag it. Um, I haven't gotten that fancy yet where I have my own tags, but um, that's something you can consider doing. I think it's a pretty good uh, business practice, to be honest with you. Um, the location of the main fuel supply shutoff, the location of any fuel storage system and the capacity of the water heating equipment if labeled. Um, the inspector shall report as in need of a correction, deficiencies in the water supply by viewing the function, functional flow in two fixtures operated simultaneously. So you wanna run multiple fixtures at the same time. Don't just go turn it on one sink. I'll go, I'll turn on you know, a sink, I'll flush the toilet, I'll turn on the tub all at the same time to see is there a significant drop in pressure I'll go, you know, I'll go and keep the cold water on on one on one fixture, and then go check a different side of the house and test out another set of fixtures and see is there anything dropping off, right? That could indicate some problems. That could indicate maybe uh, galvanized pipes, things of things of that nature. So that's something you want to think about um, deficiencies in the installation of hot and cold water faucets. Um, I did have that uh, be an issue for me once where a client was very unhappy. I mean, the inspection went great. But they called, they called me and said, hey, we're unhappy that you didn't call out that this water faucet, you know, the cold was on the hot side. And I, you know, so from now on, what I do is another trick of the trade is I have a meat thermometer and I go to the hot side of all the fixtures that I'm testing and I will document that you see hot water coming out. I'll literally take a photo of almost every fixture with the, the hot water coming out. This way, if they call me and say that I messed up, I have the, the documentation in front of me. So it's all a learning experience. You will find things that occur to you that clients that have different, you know, um, things that they said that you missed or whatever the case may be. And you know what, from then, then on you create a system and that system will help you in the future, protect yourself and give the clients what they need to make sure that they're getting what they paid for. All right. Again, you want to look for any, uh, you want to call out any active plumbing leaks, um, that were observed during your inspection toilets damaged or loose connections to the floor. Okay. Um, the inspector is not required to light or ignite pilot flames. So you're not turning on any hot water heaters that are not already on and ready to go. Uh, measure the capacity, temperature, age, life expectancy, or adequacy of the water heater. Um, I do, however, call out um, if a temperature, if I feel it's too hot when I test it with the thermometer, if it's too hot and I think it's going to scold somebody, I will call it out and I'll put it in the report to reduce it to anywhere from 130 to 140 degrees. That's how I do it. Um, inspect the interior flues or chimneys, combustion air systems, water softeners or filtering systems, well pumps or tanks, uh, safety or shutoff valves, floor drains, lawn sprinklers and fire sprinklers. So although we're not required to, I think that if you're not reporting on these things, uh, people are not going to be happy. Um, the one thing that I will say definitely we're not doing is a fire sprinkler system. All right. You're not going to test that and make sure that water is going throughout your building. So you're going to, you know, yeah, I would check a gauge. Like if you can, if there's a pressure gauge, I would take a photo of the fire sprinkler system pressure gauge. And I would also call out that they have it evaluated by a licensed fire sprinkler specialist. Um, and this way it covers you. Hey, I didn't inspect it 
but I recommend you have so-and-so do it in case of emergency, okay? So determine the exact flow rate, volume, pressure, temperature, or adequacy of water supply. Um, you're not doing the exact flow rate, but you're looking for four to five gallons per minute, right? If you're not getting a proper flow, it's pretty easy to spot, you know? Um, determine the water quality, potability, or reliability of a water supply or source. Open seal plumbing access uh, panels, inspect closed washing machines or their connections, operate any valve, um, test shower pans, tub and shower surrounds or enclosures for leakage or functional overflow protection. So you're not overflowing the tub to see if the overflow works, um, but you are of course running all the fixtures to make sure nothing leaks. Evaluate the compliance with conservation energy or building standards. Um, let's skip that. Determine the effectiveness of the anti-siphon backflow prevention of drain stop devices. Determine whether there are sufficient cleanouts for the effective cleaning of drains. Uh, evaluate the fuel storage tanks or systems. Inspect wastewater treatment systems. Inspect water treatment systems or water filters. Inspect water storage tanks, pressure pumps, or bladder tanks. Evaluate wait time to obtain hot water at fixtures. Uh, sorry, I got cut off, but yeah, regarding that, I mean, if you look at what you're not required to do, there's a lot you're not required to do, but you really wanna try and do that. Um, we do work with some other professionals that we recommend um, that will inspect some of these things like water softeners, um, you know, well equipment, which we're doing a basic inspection. Um, but uh, the beauty of what we do nowadays is that all our reporting, reporting software, pretty much like it's set up that, you know, you can have it in your template that it's there and that you did inspect it or it's, or you did inspect it and it's not, it's above the standards of practice. So essentially like, yeah, I checked it, but I make no warranties about it because it's, it's beyond what I'm supposed to do. So I kind of did it as a courtesy. That's what we're saying around and about. Right. Um, but the beauty of it is that most of what we need to check and I mean, every, pretty much everyone's software that I've ever seen covers the standards of practice that we're required to check and then some, okay? <clears throat> so there's some more here that we're not required to do um, and uh, not too much though. Yeah, we're not looking for a gas or fuel leaks, um, things like that. I, I see a lot of inspectors, you know, posting up that they found like polybutylene uh, or similar plastic piping. I personally have never seen it. I did have one inspector that works with us and he was in Long Island. He did spot it and called it out. Um, but that's not something that really um, is, is like common knowledge. I think like people don't really know to even look for that. Um, unless you're in the game for a while, you might've heard of that. So, um, so yeah, regarding just the general house plumbing, like this is as simple as it is, right? This is what we're looking at. You got your cold water, your hot water, your natural gas lines, your vent system and your drain system, all right? And a lot of these issues, you know, a lot of these things can cause issues, right? And these are like, this all kind of ties in together, right? Because water can equal moisture intrusion, which can lead to mold conditions. So these are all things that kind of tie into one another, right? You wanna look on the roof line, you wanna check your main vent stack and make sure that that vent boot looks good. There's no signs of leaks. You can't see through it. When you're in the attic, you're not looking and seeing daylight, right? Those are things you're looking for. Um, you know, maybe part of your attic inspection, but also still part of your plumbing system, right? So that's what you wanna look for. Um, and you wanna test all the plumbing in the house. 
you want to take photos of all of this, all right, and make sure that you're well documented and have everything properly situated in your report. Okay, everything should line up and, and, and be in, in proper order. Um, you want to look for proper pitch of your waste pipes. Do you see anything back pitched? So in our house, like our old house that we had a lot of problems with, we didn't realize that one of our main waste lines was back pitched into a corner. So when the water would come down from, from above, the wastewater, it was kind of pooling in one corner, which kind of wore away part of our waste pipe. So it, it compromised our pipe. You know, the house was from 1968. So having, you know, a pipe that was back pitched with water sitting in the pipe, eventually it failed and caused a big problem. We're going to get more into that coming up. Um, but you want to look for pipes to see, do they have enough pitch? Does it seem like it's too pitched? Um, you know, do you see any bends that might be a problem? You know, regarding your waste system, you want to look for that. Do you see any like do-it-yourself repairs, like the photo you're seeing above here um, with this flexible weight, you know, waistline here at the sink? I mean, this, you know, if you have tape wrapped around the connection, then chances are this was not done by a licensed professional. So it may leak again uh, in the future. Um, these, these, I don't like these uh, flexible lines to begin with because they tend to, you know, collect some debris and dirt and, and things that can clog up the pipe. But I mean, this thing's not even level. So those are things you want to call out. Like I said, when in doubt, call it out. People paying us a lot of money. So give them all the information that they deserve, right? Um, that, that's how I treat my business. So um, moving on from that, there's some things that, you know, you might be surprised by, right? Like you'll see the picture on the left here with the detached cold water faucet. Like this house was beautiful. It was like 20 years old, brand new bathroom. You know, you might take that for granted sometimes. Maybe you walk into a room, just turn on the hot side of the faucet and walk away and make sure it gets hot, right? Well, guess what? This was the cold side faucet. I went to turn it on and it just came right off in my hand. It was not connected whatsoever. So that's why it's important that you touch everything in the house, okay? You want to touch everything that someone's going to have to use. Touch every doorknob, every window. That's how I treat my business. Again, I know you're not supposed, you don't have to, according to the standards of practice, you don't have to test every single window, every single outlet, a representative number, right? For me, if it's accessible, I'm testing it. That's how I run my business. Um, so the other one here we have in the middle, this is a, a washing machine drain line. I mean, you, you know, really not a great idea to extend the line like they did with these clamps and just an improper connection to the main waistline. Like if, if they're going to have a backup here, what, where's the first place it's going to go? It's going to come right outside of this pipe. You're going to have wastewater backing right up into your laundry room. So um, call out defects when you see anything like this. Um, if it doesn't look right to you, call it out. Let a contractor say that the inspector doesn't know what he's talking about. It's fine. I'd rather that and the client be safe than, than not calling it out and having a problem later. That's how, that's how I feel. Um, again, document everything. Make sure all the fixtures are installed properly. I spoke about it before that the hot and cold, make sure that they're correctly marked and on the right side. Okay, you wanna make sure that those are all installed properly. I also, um, there's a cross section there of a um, galvanized pipe and that can lead to clogs, okay? So moving on from there, briefly, we're gonna talk about well water and septic. Um, locate the well location, inspect and document the equipment. 
conduct water testing if hired to do so, and make friends with a well-serviced contractor in your area. I am blessed. I have a great guy that helps us out. If we need anything, I call him, he comes, um, and he'll start, you know, he'll check the well out. Sometimes he'll even do same day repairs. So we've had that happen where, you know, actually, uh, I mean, he came to this one where you see the water is discolored. He came out and explained to, to everybody what happened and uh, what, the, what the remediation was for that, um, which was great. So, but if you see water coming out like this, number one, if you're gonna do water samples, um, they may charge you extra for, for discolored water like that. So just follow up with your lab. If you're doing water testing and you see water that's so discolored like this, um, it has a lot of metals or sediment, um, they may charge you extra. Um, but the picture on the left, I saw this like two weeks ago and this was just a complete disaster. The, the water line was actually coming out of the wall. You can see it sort of next to this, it looks like a fan or a heater. And they had all these electrical lines right around the water line. So if there's any leaks, you're just surrounded by electrical wires. I think there was like a, a, a power surge protector there with multiple fixtures plugged into it. It was just a recipe for disaster. So when in doubt, call it out, tell them to have a professional come and check it out. Um, in that case, <clears throat> with that particular job that I did, the well and septic seemed to be too close to one another. So I did let the client know, and they were going FHA uh, regarding their loan type, which can be a real problem. So I called that out for them. Um, but septic systems, you want to also, we're not, I don't personally do septic system inspections, but you want to look for defects, right? You want to look to see is a water softener discharging into the system? Um, things like that, things that are discharging in that may not be acceptable. Uh, many septic inspectors that I've come across don't go into the house. And I've taken, um, I've passed a course on Internachi septic system inspection course. And I know that that's part of their SOPs is that you go into the house as the septic inspector and you check out the waistline from the inside and see what's going into it, things of that nature. So I know it's beyond what we do, but I highly suggest you do it. All right. If you see something odd, tell the septic inspector to check it out and document it. Let's talk briefly about sewer scope inspections. So um, years back when I had that house and we had a lot of problems, we had waistline issues. Um, and I wish my home inspector had a sewer scope at the time. I probably would have went for it. Um, maybe not because I didn't make a lot of money as a police officer. But if I did, you know, if he discovered an issue, I may say, hey, you know, um, why not do it? You know, like what's the cost? You know, $250 or so. So anyway, um, we had a house where we had a, a waistline that number one had a back pitch in one corner caused a leak. Then we had another leak at another area in the pipe. I think the pipe uh, at some point was um, under pressure and waistlines are not really designed to take on pressure, right? They're just meant, meant to have water flow through them. So, um, so the, water, the, the water line you know, began to get pressurized because there was also a belly in the line out by the front yard. So water was not getting out enough and we had a lot of waste clogs. So we fixed one portion of the pipe and then it turned out another portion was shot. So we fixed that. And then we went on vacation one year and realized that we had another issue that was going towards the street. So we had three separate repairs for our waistline, cost us about $10,000. So I tell you right now, if I can go back in time and pay the guy about $250 to do a sewer scope inspection, I probably would have said, well, let's do it. All right. So I, when I saw that Intonacci was offering a course on sewer scope inspections, 
I went out to the school they have in Pennsylvania and I took the course. And I was like, I mean, it, I was sold right away on it. I think it's a great course. Um, it, it's a great service. I know it's beyond the SOPs, but it's a great service to offer your clients. Um, I've had a lot of issues that I've found. So you see me inside this pit here, checking out this wasteland for a client. There was sitting water inside this waste, um, inside this waste pit. So I was like, yeah, you know, I have sitting water in there. It might be if it's wastewater, it could be a leak somewhere. Let's check the line out. That one, thankfully, it was just a good photo op for me. There was nothing really going on with their waste pipes. So they were happy. It was actually groundwater that was sitting there. So they need a sump pump to get that groundwater out. Um, the second picture you have here, this was a house I did. It was a flip. And the house was beautiful. It was a multifamily investment property. Someone was ready to buy it. I noticed that the sewer trap caps were loose. And I said, you know what? I think we should check this pipe out because usually people leave it loose if there's a problem. I know that firsthand from my experience. So um, when your sewer trap caps are loose, that might indicate they're trying to relieve some pressure or if the wastewater backs up, it's gonna back up there instead of somewhere else in the house. So as soon as I put the sewer, sewer scope in the line, 22 feet out right by the street, you can see that, that that pipe is compromised, right? It's pretty much collapsed and they're gonna need a significant repair. Um, the pipe all the way to the right is what it should look like, nice and clear. All your wastewater is going to go right out, and that's what you want to look for. I had one other client that called me, and they were, you know, they were just looking for advice because before I started doing the sewer scope inspections, um, they bought a house that I inspected, and it was a flip. The sewer, the um, the owner of the house covered up the sewer traps. I couldn't even see it. Think he had a refrigerator on top of it, and it turned out that the sewer line was compromised. Um, about 17 feet out into the street in a main inter intersection. The sewer line was like 15 feet down in the ground. They were going to have to hire police officers to direct traffic around this work. It was going to run them about 50 to $60,000. So just think about that. Think about how crippling that could be for your budget if you have something like that happen to you. That's why I highly suggest you get involved in this and you can make, you can make great money doing it. I don't do it every day, but I do you know, a few a month. And it's a great add-on. And I feel so good for my clients knowing that they have that service and they have that waste pipe checked because this happened to me firsthand. All right, this is the camera that I love. I originally bought, um, it's a camera called the Seacon and it cost um, like $3,500. Um, I loved it. It was, it was a little heavy and a little bulky and I had to plug it in. So I found this one that a friend of mine, um, Briarwood Home Inspections, um, in Baltimore, he told me about it, the Scout 3, love it. It's wireless, has a great screen, very lightweight, and um, it's perfect. So I've been using this camera, I highly, re highly recommend it. Um, it's on inspectorcams.com, inspector I believe. I believe there's an Intonacci discount. So check that one out, but that's my go-to camera. And Pretty much to wrap up, the reason why I do what I do is for my beautiful family here, my wife, Lisa, who helps me run this company and this crazy family we have and uh, my kids, and I do everything for them. And, you know, and we treat all our clients like we treat, we treat them as family, right? So that's why our slogan is for your protection, get a stone home inspection. And at this time, I'd like to offer anyone if they have any questions, I'd be more than happy to take them. First live webinar, soaking up. Okay. So do I recommend GFSR receptacles for sump pumps? Absolutely. 
I highly recommend GFCI receptacles around anywhere you have water source. Um, you pretty much need to have a GFCI outlet. Um, again, what I say with everything is when in doubt, call it out. If you think you need a GFCI outlet there, call it out. I'd rather have one than not, than not have it. So that, that's how I treat my business. Thank you for the question. I know there's some more questions out there. I know my wife is watching too. So shout out to Lisa. Um, everyone loves Lisa Stone and um, I couldn't do it without her. Okay, so Charles is asking us a question. Are sewer inspections dirty? Um, yes and no. So um, the ones that I've come across are not really that bad. Um, you know, you are pulling out, you know, you're going into a line with your camera and, you know, you want, what I do is I, as soon as I'm pulling back out, I have a uh, shop towel, like those disposable shop towels. And I have a um, sanitized wipe. I usually keep a few of them depending on how far down I'm going. Um, and then just as I'm pulling out, I'm wiping it and then sanitizing it at the same time. So it's really not bad. I put some gloves on and you're good. I when I was at Internachi, it was hysterical because the guy, the instructor was, um, was using his camera in a live line. So it was actually the, the line that they use for the waistline that the school uses. And he was pulling it out with nothing, no towels, Absolutely nothing. So I backed away extremely fast on that one. <laughs> I have another question. How much is an add-on charge for a sewer scope inspection? Good question, Reed. Um, I charge $250 for a, an add-on on site. Um, sometimes people call and they see that we do it online. So they'll call us and they'll ask for that like upfront and we do charge more. If I'm going there just for that, I have to make more money. But as Ben Gromico has taught all of us, um, if you're going to um, do a service, try and bundle as much as possible and make as much money as possible on each job. So let's see. Rob Cologne, how do you know if a roof is unsafe to get on before you step on it? You really don't know. And you're not required to get on a roof, Mr. Cologne. So um, keep that in mind. You are not required to get on a roof. Um, and also Jonathan Reynard, in a hot, humid climate, is it best to have the vapor retardant side against the subfloor or facing the ground in the crawl space? Um, good question. So you always want to have the vapor barrier facing the, um, the finished space. All right. It's also a flammable. It tends to be flammable. If you read the vapor barrier side of uh, insulation, it says to, to not keep it face out because it is flammable. So you want to, if you have like a very moist area, that's why you have a vapor barrier, a thick plastic that you'll cover up the dirt with. That's what you want to look for. You can, I guess you can seal that too, the insulation, you can seal it with the thick plastic, but, um, but you definitely don't want the paper on the bottom side, okay? Let's see what else we got. I don't see any other questions. We have any more questions? Oh, here we go. Dustin, is there a conflict of interest issues if I'm a licensed plumber and inspector? Can I fix plumbing issues and inspect? So I would say that's a conflict. 
So if you're inspecting, you can't fix anyone's property for, I believe it's a year. So for one year, you cannot step on anyone's property to do any repairs inside the home. So keep that in mind. Do not offer any repairs. Um, you know, if you have other plumbers that you can recommend and they work for themselves and not affiliated with you, recommend them. And if they can give you business back, you can make money that way. But it is a conflict of interest. You don't want to do that. And some, some people, speaking of conflict of interest, some people have said, isn't it a conflict of interest for you to do a mold assessment or mold testing um, or recommend that you do that because you're going to make extra money on people, you know, when, um, when it comes time for that, that, that work to be done. But uh, in my opinion, you're doing a service for them. You're looking out for their best interest. It's not about the money. I guess for some, maybe it is a conflict. For me, it's not. So integrity is everything. Let me see what I got here. All right. So as a licensed home inspector, how much can I share with my real estate clients? As a licensed home inspector and real estate agent, how much can I share with my real estate clients? I don't know how to answer that question. I think that um, that's totally up to you. And maybe you want to talk about talk to a, real, uh, a lawyer about that as to what you want to talk to them about. But your client's hiring you. So you want to, you know, tell the client everything they need to know. And hopefully they trust their realtor that they want the realtor to know everything as well. But you have to check with the client and make sure that they're comfortable with that. Okay. Um, also, we have. Yes, it will be recorded and hopefully you love what you see here. So. What other questions can I answer? I like all the questions though. You're very welcome, Dustin. You guys, you're very welcome. Hopefully I'll be back for another one. You're welcome, Rob. Any other questions or I guess we can wrap it up. All right, guys, I'm going to call it a wrap here. And if you have any questions, please, guys, go on Internachi, look up what you need or call us or reach out to us. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Um, follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram, stone underscore uh, home underscore inspections. Follow us and uh, see you on the next one.